today testing the foundation testing the foundation speaking of Indianapolis and uh, where I grew up I remember having to take a industrial arts class when I was in middle school everybody had to take it and this industrial arts class rotated you through a bunch of different things uh, you might spend nine weeks in home economics. So you couldn't get out of that class without having to show that you could cook and sew. Did not matter. Um, I had to take a drafting class where I would learn how to draw schematics. And I remember having to take a woodworking class. And in this woodworking class, we had a final project that I wasn't too keen on. We had to build a bridge out of popsicle sticks. And using the information that we had learned through the class about how triangles and all these different shapes in a bridge support the weight, at the end of the class, we had to put our bridge on this machine and the professor or the teacher would test how much weight it could hold. I wasn't too keen on this class because I didn't want my bridge to break. I'd been spending nine weeks with the, with the class and learning about all these things about structures and load-bearing beams and all of this other fancy stuff and to only watch person after person get their bridge broken because you had to make sure it withstood a certain amount of weight in order to pass the class. So that was a test that I was not very fond of because I didn't want to see my work break. I thought about that uh, later on in life because uh, for a brief moment of time, I worked with a program where I would recruit people to get into this training program, they would get concrete certifications and flag-waving, flag-waving uh, flag text dot certification and an OSHA 10 construction safety certification, and then it would be my job to find them a job. And as I sat in these classes, I understood that concrete was extremely important because concrete was used to make the foundation of buildings. And so you don't just mix it up and pour it. You got to know a little something about it. And I thought about it because that's why the foundation is one of the most expensive parts of a building. Let your foundation break. Sometimes it's almost better off to just let the house go. The foundation is important. And Paul is here talking about the foundation. Every good building starts with a foundation. 
A good foundation reduces the load, the pressure on a building. It evenly distributes it out. It anchors, the foundation anchors the building to the ground. It helps protect it when the ground under it moves. When animals try to burrow under a building, the foundation is what protects it, keeps it standing. So whatever you're doing, you need a foundation. You need a foundation in Christ. I think about songs I learned that taught me the foundation. Jesus loves me this, I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones who here may know they are weak, but he is strong. These kind of songs, when we learn in Sunday school, set the foundation for Christ. But you don't just stop with the foundation. There are neighborhoods where you see slabs of concrete all over, but they don't stay slabs of concrete later on. One person builds the foundation, and then you have to grow on. And that is what Paul is talking about here, where he says all of us are going to be tested. Tested in the foundation. Paul says that we're all going to be, uh, in some translations, set on a platform called a bema and tested in regard to our service for Christ. Paul is saying he's laid down the foundation, but it's the church's job to keep building. We're here planting trees, or seeds rather, for trees that we won't sit under the shade. We're pushing things forward, and he's worried about the church at Corinthian, or the church at Corinth. That's why he writes this letter to the Corinthians about the church, because he's worried that they may be straying off the foundation. There are those who may have stopped building. There are those who decide to build something else other than what was before. Last week, we talked about those following Apollos or getting caught up on who followed Apollos and who followed Paul. And he's saying it doesn't matter. The work is for Christ. Let's not get caught up in who did what. Uh, And so he says that when this happens, you're going to be tested. And he reaches out and he talks about the objects of the test. Some are classified as gold and silver and expensive stones. Big old fancy way for saying jewelry. Uh, And then he talks about some of them being out of straw or wood or hay. And the objects in the test, they're classified and the outcome of the test determines whether or not it's going to work. And so he uses the diamonds or the the jewels, the the, the expensive stones and the gold and the silver versus the wood, the hay and the straw is because he's asking, are what we building on something that is perishable or non-perishable? Ah, because when the fire comes, it's going to burn away the wood and the straw and the hay. But it's not going to burn away the gold and the silver and the precious stones. These verses are addressing the evaluation of Christian ministry. Those who are seeking to build God's church in Corinth are dependent on human wisdom by using perishable materials that will not survive 
the fire. And he warned, he warns that they need to bring up the foundation and build off of the foundation for things that will last. Things that will be able to handle the pressure. Let the church say pressure. pressure. We should all know about pressure. Just day-to-day lives bringing up some pressure. Yes, Every time I turn on the news, I see something that runs the pressure up. Just being black and driving through particular neighborhoods is pressure. I don't know who it is out here uh, committing all these crimes, but they must be good looking because I always seem to fit the description. Pressure always fitting the description for whatever crimes had been happened. Pressure. Getting pulled over and not being asked, do you know how fast you are driving? But what are you doing in this neighborhood? Pressure. Do you mind if I take a look inside your car? Pressure. But not just myself. Having more month than money. Pressure. Trying to raise children. Pressure. Being a part of a sandwich generation where you find yourself taking care of both your parents and your children. Pressure. Getting up on the job and ended up having to train somebody less qualified than you for they can be your manager. Pressure. Our day-to-day lives bring on the pressure. But we go to the Bible and understand that pressure is a part of life. We look at 1 Peter 4 and it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partaking in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You'll be reproached in the name of Christ. Blessed are you for the Holy Spirit of God rests on you. And their part is blasphemed, but on his part, you will be glorified. Uh, James says, my brethren, my brethren, count it all joy as you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You're going to be tested. There's going to be pressure. Second Timothy says, but therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus and all the things you have heard among many witnesses to commit to these faithful things and be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The pressure is there. The pressure is going to come, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The pressure is there, but I know that I'm going to have to be more, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus and him who loves me. The pressure is there to test us, and we are to go through the test stronger. Ah, we talk about these, this, this gold and this silver and these costly stones. I was interested to learn how diamonds are made. Natural diamonds, the ones that were made coming up out the earth, are made after responding to intense heat and pressure. 
They have to form deep in the earth, sometimes 80 to 100 miles under the earth's surface in the area called the mantle. And they have to get hot. And I'm not talking grits off the stove hot. I mean real hot. 1,650 degrees to 2,370 degrees Fahrenheit. And then they get risen to the top through volcanic eruptions. That's what moves the diamonds to the surface. And that's how you get a diamond. Intense heat and intense pressure. Now they figured out a way to make diamonds without going through that natural process, but you still don't get the diamond without intense heat and intense pressure. That is why the diamond is so strong, because of everything that it's been through. And that is why we can be so strong, because of everything that we've been through. Sometimes it's the pressure and the trials and the tribulations of life that lets you know, but, there, but, but the, by the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the pressure is what lets you know that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? The diamond is able to cut through anything because it's been cut before and it's stronger. Praise God that the diamond doesn't look like what it's been through. Praise God that some of you all don't look like what you've been through. It's the pressure. And it goes through a process. And when it goes through that process, it becomes hard to break. And so when Paul's talking about these costly stones in the, in the process and in in, in lasting the fire, it's lasting the fire because it's been tested. Some of us would not have had the prayer life that we had if we hadn't had the struggles that we had. Some of us may not have had the, the, the church attendance that we had if we hadn't had the struggles. To the point that everything was chipped off and broken down to the center that you knew where you had to be. And that was with God. It went through a process. And because it went through that process, it came out stronger on the other side. Diamonds need heat. And diamonds need pressure. And it's the same thing with gold and silver. The gold and silver has to go through a process as well. Let the church say process. Ah, the gold and silver that we all have on our ears and in our hands and on our necks has to go through a process to get to where it's at. Ah, when they get the gold and the silver and they get it in its raw form, they have to heat it up have to heat it up to intense degrees until it's liquefied. And then when it's liquefied, all the impurities rise up to the top. Out of the heat, everything that's bad comes up and rises to the top. And the maker who is working with the jewelry then takes these, all these impurities rising to the top and scrapes them off. And then does it again, heats it up some more, and more impurities come up, and he scrapes it off. And he heats it up again and again, and more impurities come off, and he keeps scraping them off over and over again. And do you know how the jeweler knows when the gold and the silver is ready? When the jeweler is able to look down into this boiled gold or this boiled silver, and they are able to see their reflection. When the maker is able to see its reflection in everything, then it knows it's ready to be used. So we may be going through these trials and tribulations right now. We're just getting heated up. 
And some of those things are coming out of us that don't need to be in us so that God can scrape them off over and over again and you'll know that you'll be fit for use when God is able to look down into this heated up process product and be able to see himself in you and that is how it is tested and that's why Job could say in 2310 but he knows the way that I take and when he has tested me I shall come forth as pure gold going through these processes and one is tested that's how you know what it's worth ah and he warns them he warns them as well and he tells them not to defile their temple to regard our bodies as temples and not to deceive ourselves and depend upon earthly wisdom or human leaders but God themselves we are living our lives as if we are not borrowing our bodies. This is God's property. How we treat it is important. What we put into it is important. What do we consume with our eyes and our ears? How do we talk to other people? It's not just how we treat ourselves. But when you say those bad things to another person, that's God's temple too. What are you putting in their ears? What are you putting into their temple? Our lives are not our own. And Paul is is worried about these people deceiving themselves because the Corinthian church is newly formed when he writes this letter. And some scholars say that the church was in danger of operating like the rest of the world, bringing their social status and all of their trappings and everything that they had into the church. He was worried that some of the people who thought it was okay to treat people bad on the outside because they were born into a richer family or made a little more money than the next person or, 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 or one was slave and one was slave owner. He was worried that they were going to bring all of this outside worldly mess into the church. And so that's why he wrote to the church about those things. There were people that were trying to take communion in front of other people. There were people who didn't have to work and so they showed up first and ate almost all of the food and then the people who were working when they finally got after work because they had to work they weren't allowed to eat the way the rich folk were eating and so uh, Paul was telling them not to bring that outside mess into the church. Not to bring the fact that you might think you better because you have a whole alphabet of letters behind your name. And somebody else might be working off of an eighth grade education. We all equal in Christ. Ah, This is Paul who said there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you all are one in Christ Jesus. He was worried about that when he was talking to the the church at Corinthians. Don't get it messed up. This is the same Paul who said that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, and yet not I live, but Christ live in me. It's not the life I now live by the flesh, but by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He was worried 
that they were bringing all this secular wisdom into the church and trying to rank people according to that. But Jesus did not rank any of us when he went to the cross. Uh, He didn't say that I'm going to die for Mary's sins, but Bob just going to have to go to hell. He didn't say that. He went to the he he went to the cross for all. And we all belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. And so we ought to be able to respond to the pressure because there is no ranking system in the church. Hello, one, two, 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 check. We all are equal in Christ. Christ was not thinking about who's the best and who was going to be the best church member when he was taking that cat of nine tails. Paul, Christ was not thinking about these things when he was getting blindfolded and beaded and they said, prophesy, Jesus. Which one of us hit you? We get caught up in these trappings and think our own human wisdom is greater than the wisdom of God. And because we get caught up in these trappings, the work of God is not being done. The foundation is laid. What are we going to build off of this foundation? Are we just going to let a slab of concrete stay there? Are we going to build something on it? And then when we build something on it, are we going to build something on it that lasts? Will it be able to stand the tests? Will it be able to withstand the fire? Will it be able to handle the pressure? The only way that we can make something that handles the pressure is if we do it the way that God told us to do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.